0: to share the message this morning and be super happy because I'm not as long-winded as my husband. so I'll get you out kind of early. Oh, it's a big crowd today. Do we normally have the house lights up this much during preaching? I don't want to see all their faces. It's much better. Um, well, um, didn't our team do so awesome? My awesome husband is so incredible. It helps that he's really hot and I love him and he loves me so much. But he's my favorite. And um, to celebrate him, he actually is gonna be over 40 next week. I'm just rubbing it in a tiny bit because I'll be 30 something later on in September. Not going to tell you. Um, so my husband's birthday is, we're going to celebrate next Sunday. We're going to have cake, and if you want to bless him, you can bring a gift, and we'll have a table set up, and we'll hang out afterwards for a little bit. But he is going to be 41 years old on the 29th. He looks good, huh? I know. I know. So um, so we're going to celebrate him next Sunday, but I, um, I get the privilege of... Just bringing a message to you guys this morning, and um, let me just really quick pray and get all my little jitterbugs out of my system. Father, I thank you for your word that is truth for who you are, the revelation of who you are, God, that you would make yourself real to us this morning, and um, and that your Holy Spirit would just just give us grace to be hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the church is rising up. Amen. Amen. Such a great thing to say. Not so easy to understand what that means for me personally. And so I want to talk about what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean for us on a real personal level that the church is rising up? Because you're a part of the church, right? We're all the church. Um, together we become the church, and Pastor Zach's been talking about what it looks like to love the bride, to honor the church, to be the church, but what does that mean for me if the church is rising up? What does that look like for my life? And I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3, if we can get that up. Do we have it? When I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. I'm going to read it from here. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written to you, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise and blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news, though I am the least deserving of all God's people. He graciously gave them, gave me the privilege of telling the gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. So I have three points for you this morning and the first point is stop looking other places and discover the treasure that's in Christ. I think sometimes we forget that God revealed the mystery. God revealed himself. He gave Jesus. So many times we're looking and over-spiritualizing our Christian walk, and we're, we're going from you know, conference to conference, and we're trying to get some new revelation of who God is, or some new revelation or something deeper than we had before, when we're just missing the whole point that it was all about Jesus it's all about Jesus. You don't need some new revelation and some new mystery revealed to you that you don't already know in the life of Christ. Jesus reveals it all. It's about him. It's about Jesus. I think, you know, um, we can learn so much from teachers and leaders, and I read books all the time I'm constantly trying to, you know, f- read books and, and find out more about what God's word says from different perspectives. But if that is what I'm doing to pursue God's heart, or um, is, if that's what I'm doing to, to find who he is, I'm missing the whole point. He's right in front of me. Everything he is is before me. Jesus was revealed. Who God is was revealed through Jesus. And if we miss that, we'll miss the whole thing. We miss the whole thing. We we can't um, we can't overthink this stuff. We can't overthink Christianity. We can't overthink who God is. Just we have to embrace the realness that Jesus is everything that God is. God revealed Himself through His Son. You know, if we if we pass over the Gospels to find out to try to find out how we live our life, we've missed the point. Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the revealed revelation of the Father. He's the perfect revelation. You know, um, there was a time in our lives before we had a church where um, we had an abundance of stuff, like lots and lots of stuff. Um, Everything we needed was provided for because we worked really, really hard and we made really good money. And in that, there was still this lack inside of me. You ever heard of the term, keeping up with the Joneses, where you you have more, but you want more because somebody has more than you, so you keep trying to get more? Um, that just creeps into us, especially as Western um, people. We live in this world where, you know, the haves and the have-nots, and if you have, you need more. And I lived in that kind of life. I was a Christian, but I I had everything I needed, but there was always something lacking, I was never good enough for God, and I didn't have everything I needed, and I wasn't whole or healed, but I was still pushing to get more stuff and more things. And then there came a time when we had nothing. We had nothing, and we barely had food, have money to put food on our table. And those were those moments where I was so low. My heart was like, God, you're more than enough in that moment, the revelation that that God revealed to me, if you had just your husband and your kids and you lived in a box, would I be enough for you? That reality hit me at my core, really, really strong that moment in my life. And I was able to say at that moment, God, you are more than enough. See, I think sometimes we pray for a revival and we we pray for more and we we pray for God to move but we don't even steward the simplicity of our daily life. If we're contending for more of God but we don't have we're not doing anything with the God that's standing in front of us he's not gonna give us more. If we're contending for revival, but we're not stewarding our family, he's not gonna reveal revival, he's not gonna bring revival to our churches. If we can't function healthily within this congregation, God's not gonna bring more people here because we're not functioning properly, because we're not healthy. You know, for my husband and I, if we don't, if we're not a strong marriage with strong children who love our kids, how are we ever expected to steward his people the way that God? God has called us to it starts with what he's put in front of you see s- stewardship is such a huge part of of the new testament and and sometimes it's really easy to pass over because god we want to contend for revival we want to we want more we want your glory and he's like what are you doing with what i already gave you sometimes you know um and i've i'm guilty of this i really really like prophetic words Especially when they're awesome and they're called out in front of people that don't like me. I'm looking around the room. Did you hear what the man of God said about me? Next time you try to talk about me, just remember. No, I'm kidding. That's what you guys are all thinking too. So, um, but I remember this moment where I was hungering and desiring a word of God a word from God, a prophetic revelation, a, God, just speak to me what you want, to, want uh, me to do with my life, what you want to do with me, please tell me. And he was like, do you remember what happened the last time? Do you remember the words that I spoke the last time? Yeah, it was so awesome. What have you done with that? You want more, but you haven't stewarded the treasure that I've already given you. See, sometimes in our hunger and desire for the more of God, we miss the simplicity of stewarding the things he's already given us. Some of the most valuable treasure in our lives are the ones we bury up with dirt and forget about. And we have to treasure the things that he's given us. Value them. Treasure them. Um, the second thing in this, and I'm going to, read verses verse six to you, and it says, and this is God's plan, both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Number two, we're all in this together. See, there becomes this separation between, you know, um, the elite and the not elite. Well, there's the pastors and the people that, you know, God's called to bring the, bring the messages and bring the people. And I'm just sitting here and, and my part is just to come and sit and, you know, and, and participate in worship. It's, that's such a lie. Do you know that the body of Christ, only 3% of the body of Christ are um, paid staff members of a church? What if all of us, wanted to just go be the three percent? What would we miss out? What would our schools miss out on? What would our workplaces miss out on? What would our communities miss out on? Because people give up the dream that God put inside of them because they see somebody else doing something that they want to do. Let me tell you, that is not what we're all called to and there is not this elitism and this separatism there is not us and them and i'm gonna do my part sitting in the pew and just supporting my pastor and the pastor is the one that has to do all of the work of the ministry no the pastors and leaders are to equip the church for the work of the ministry you should be equipped to do what god has called you to do and there is no us in them we are in this together we are in this together now, I come from a family where we have a lot of cousins, and all my cousins are different colors. And let me tell you that nobody tried to fight me because they would have all my cousins around in the moment when I was grown up. Um, I come from, you know, a, a area of town where people, they, that's what they do. They fight it out when they're growing up. You said something to me wrong, or you looked at me the wrong way but nobody would mess with this little white girl because she had lots of cousins, lots of cousins. And they knew that the moment that they picked on this girl, they were in trouble. Just how it goes. I don't know where you're from, but where I'm from, that's how it went. But we have to understand that it's our job as the church to have each other's backs. Something that Zach was preaching last week that is, it just so bothers me so much. It bothers me so much. I'm going to say two things that bother me a lot. The first thing is that the world does not have to come after the church because the church comes after each other. We, we do such a good job, such a good job, at laying the lamb before the slaughter with their own people. The second thing that bothers me is people that try to change their pastors. I'm not saying that to any of you guys in this room. I love you. You guys love us. But I have friends that don't come to this church. <clears throat> so I'm going to just say that. And they're constantly trying to change their leaders. And I... You know They're not going to be my friend very long because I keep telling them it's not your job. Go to a different church. If you don't like the way they lead, either follow and get your heart right or move on because you're just causing issues for your leaders. You're just sitting there trying to tell them how to lead when they're the one that God has called to lead their ministry. So either get your heart right or just walk away. Um, and I know that it's... um as the pastor of this church, as one of the pastors of this church, to say that, it might be harsh, but my, my heart behind it is, our leaders are called by God to do something. You know, when my husband, um, we have this kind of tension, I love him so much, um, but he's my husband and I, I lead with him, but I also am the executive pastor, so I have to do what he says at, at church. at church. So sometimes he's like trying to boss me around and I'm like, dude, you are not my boss. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, you kind of are. Um, no, he's an amazing leader. You can ask any one of our members of our staff. He's an amazing leader. He loves well and he, he's not domineering, but, but our heart as our team, a heart as a team it says we get behind your vision we stand with you and we stand behind you and we stand for you because we believe what God has given you is for us and as the people of God that are part of a local assembly that should be our heart our heart should be we get behind our leaders we have their back and if we can't do that then that's not where our heart is supposed to be You know, um, for me, I I struggle with this sometimes in my own heart because I want everybody to come to my church. Like, everybody. I want them all to come here. And so I have friends that will like, hey, I want to come try your church. And and so I'm like, what church do you usually go to? And if they say, like, a seeker-friendly church, and I'm like, well, let me prepare you for worship. (laughs) Sometimes I even find myself apologizing for the way we do worship. And this is my own heart and my own things that I have to do with. And and for me to say, oh, well, you might not like it. I'm assuming that because we really love worship and we really love the presence of God, that because that's what they're not used to, that they're going to get offended by. I'm already assuming that instead of giving them a chance to try it. But I have to know in my heart, not everybody is going to be called to our tribe. Not everybody's called to this tribe. Some people, they like other tribes. And as the body of Christ, I have to be okay with that. As a leader in the body of Christ, I have to say, that's good, and that is good. God. And not everybody has to be a part of this tribe. But when you're a part of this tribe, you have to get your heart connected. When you're a part of this tribe, you have to point your heart at your leaders. When you're a part of this tribe, you say, I have their back no matter what. I'm standing next to them no matter what. Because when you say, I'm a part of this tribe, you say, they're my family. That's like my cousin. And you don't mess with them because you got me behind you and I got your back. That's what we do as a family. That's what it looks like when you're a part of a tribe. Thanks, baby. Thank you. Something else that happens when we rise up and we understand we're all in this together is we take ownership and responsibility for the way that our community looks like. Um, I get really frustrated with the kind of political environment that happens in the church and let me say this, <clears throat> whether, wherever you vote, wherever you vote, wherever your heart is, nothing matters unless you take ownership and responsibility for your community. If your community looks away and you don't like it and you're not taking ownership of it, then you're not doing what God has called you to do. How do you know what God's called you to do? When you're frustrated about something you see, when you want to stand up for injustice, that's what you're called to do. See, I think sometimes we've let our dreams die because we've given them over to the pastors and leaders and senators and presidents, and we've given them over to leaders to change the environments we want to see changed instead of rising up, taking ownership of our communities and changing them ourselves. Um, There's a quote. It was in point three, but I'm going to use it right now. Henry David Thoreau said, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. Sometimes we've given up our dreams. We've given up. We've given them over. We've said that's great. I want to see this happen, but that's I'm not going to be able to do that. That you know a pastor has to do that or an evangelist that's their job or you know it actually needs the city officials and the government. That's who's supposed to change this part of my city. You know, we see child poverty or we see prostitution or we see drug addiction or whatever we see that just rises up this injustice on the inside of us. But we give over our dreams to somebody else. We've stopped living. We've stopped dreaming. We've stopped believing that we could do it. it. We have to do it. We rise up. It's our responsibility. When you see injustice, when you see something, you take ownership and you take responsibility. Once we hold ourselves accountable, things will change. You know, the early church had this idea, and it might be a little extreme, but the early church had this idea that if a child died of starvation and you had bread in your home, you have blood on your hands. If somebody was in the street and they died because they were homeless and cold and you have extra jackets in your closet, you have blood on your hands. That's how the early church saw their communities. They took ownership. You want to know why the gospel traveled so rapidly in the early church? They took ownership of their communities, of their families, of their streets. They took ownership. Verse 3, I mean part 3. I'm going to read verse 7 and 8. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him By spreading this good news. Though I am least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasure available to them in Christ. Number three, don't see it as a problem. See it as a privilege. This thing called Christianity, it's not just something you receive. It's something that you give. And you have to call it a privilege. You know, I was reading about the church of Ephesus and and, um, when Paul wrote this and um, he was in. This was the first time he was in prison for his faith. And the church of Ephesus was much like Las Vegas. They worshipped this sexual goddess that paved the streets in gold. And, and they worshipped these sensual things and these immoral things. And they worshipped money. And that's who Paul was writing to, a church that was in the midst of this really terrible city. Doesn't it kind of feel like that sometimes when we're in Las Vegas? I mean, I don't really feel like that. But when other people come to my city, they're like, yeah. Such a terrible place to live. I'm like, I don't see that. I was born and raised here. This is what all I know. But um, I also don't live on the strip. I live, you know, in the suburbs. So um, I don't really get to see it all that often. <laughs> and I, who goes to the strip except for a nice dinner? Um, but we have this privilege. Now, Paul's in prison. Not not the second time he was in prison. I could understand if it was the second time he was in prison and he was calling it a privilege because he knew that God would have gotten him out the first time, right? Um, Because if God gets you out of something, then you get into it again. You understand, oh, he's faithful. But the first time you're like, oh, my God, where are you? First time he's in prison and he writes to the church and he says, he says, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the gospel. The privilege of serving God by spreading the gospel. You know, there was a moment um, where my husband pulled my son aside, our oldest son, and said, you know, you're getting older, dude, and I I want you to engage in worship. You know, our daughter is such a worshiper. She has a heart of worship, and um, and so she, it's easy for her to just come in and she just gets wrecked on Sundays. But, you know, my son, he's getting older and he's getting to the age. And and uh, my my husband had a talk with him. He was like, honey, I want you to engage in worship. I want you to, to come and be a part of it and, and let God touch your heart, you know. And these are stuff you have to teach your kids. At, fi- at 14 years old, that's not his priority. And I understand that. And as parents, we get that. And then we did this family devotion. And the scripture we read was... Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. Teach, um, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and the burden is light. And you know what my son said in that moment? He said, God's told me that being in his presence is not hard. It's easy. Like, that's what he got out of it. Sometimes we, we take it as such an obligation to come before the Lord and Spend time with him or even talk to the broken person that our heart is like pounding. Have you ever been in those moments like you're in Starbucks and your heart's pounding and you're like, I just know they need Jesus, but I'm just way too shy, or I'm not gonna do it. Like it's happened to me and I have not done it. So um but then there's moments where it happens and I say something and God moves and he touches hearts. But it's not an obligation, it's a privilege. This thing called called Christianity, there's the privilege. And let me tell you what he said. His grace and his mighty power, it empowers us to serve God and to preach the gospel. See, the heart of Paul said it was only the only things he needed was the revelation of who Jesus is and his own humility and tenacity. He Paul said. I am the least deserving of God's people. Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament and he said he was the least deserving of all God's people. The humility and tenacity of a person that understands a revelation of Jesus can change their whole world. The humility and tenacity of one man that has a revelation of who Jesus is will change the whole world, change the whole world. I wanna be like that, I wanna be like that. I'm gonna close with this scripture and it's gonna be behind me. It's in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse seven. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Do you ever feel like that? Like a fragile clay, nothing, but you carry the treasure of God. You carry His glory. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, but not ourselves. You know, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of every heart of every Christian. The resurrection... The resurrection power of God lives inside of every Christian. The resurrection power of God that took a crucified man who laid dead for three days and raised him up, that power lives inside of every one of you. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. I want the life of Jesus to be seen in my life whether I'm a base, whether I'm a bound, whether I'm in a valley or a mountaintop, no matter where I stand, whether I'm in abundance or am in lack, I want the life and the power of Christ to be revealed through my life. I want people to see the real Jesus. A few years ago, there was a rap song. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Sometimes I want to stand in front of churches and be like, will the real Jesus please stand up because the Jesus you're talking about is not the one I serve. The God that you're revealing, this angry, hateful man that turns away children, that is not the God I serve. Can you please, please represent Christ and can the real Jesus stand up inside of his children? when we live the life, like Paul said, with humility and tenacity, I understand the revelation of Jesus. And it is not a burden, but a privilege. It is a privilege to share the gospel. This is what the church rising up means. It means everybody doing their part. The bride, the beautiful bride of Christ Standing and every one of us taking ownership and every one of us saying, I'm going to do my part. I will stand. I will serve God with all my heart and I'll reach my community. I'll reach the lost. I'll be a light. Do you know that sometimes you don't have to even say anything? Just a smile on your face and a good attitude can change a whole room. You know, the same happy person can walk into Starbucks week after week after week, and then a barista one day says, why are you so happy all the time? And then you can say, it's the love of God. It changed my life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. When life doesn't get me down and distractions don't move me, I give credit to the one that gave his power inside of me. And then my heart can say, Father, if it's just me and my husband and my kids in a box, you are more than enough. I don't need anything extra. I just need you, Jesus, because you are more than enough. And then you know what he does? Because he loves you so much, he just pours love and lavishes you with riches and glory and honor and virtue because that's the kind of God he is. So let our heart this morning. Hearts say, you are more than enough for me. I will rise as your church and as your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to have our um, prayer team come up, make themselves available to you guys to pray. They're looking at me with heavy hearts like they don't want to pray for people. Just kidding. They're just overwhelmed by the goodness of God, and they both really love me. If you want prayer for anything, or you want to respond to this message, and you say, I am tired of just being nobody, and I want to release the somebody of God in the world, whatever it is, and you just want somebody to pray with you, I just encourage you to stand with one of these awesome, amazing prayer people. And if not, stop by our connect table on your way out, Make sure you register for our conference. Our hosts will be out there for you. We love you. If it's your first time, make sure you stop at the Connect table and get your gift and fill out a contact card. Um, We love you. You're dismissed.